Book Ten, Chapter Nine of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney, Chapter Nine. A Spectacle. The messenger returned not till midnight. What then was the consternation of Camilla that he brought no answer? She suspected he had not found the house. She doubted if the letter had been delivered, but he affirmed he had put it into the hands of a maid-servant, though, as it was late, he had come away directly, and not thought of waiting for any answer. It is not very early in life we learn how little is performed, for which no precaution is taken. Care is the offspring of disappointment, and sorrow and repentance commonly hang upon its first lessons. Unused to transact any sort of business for herself, she had expected, in sending a letter, an answer as a thing of course, and had now only herself to blame for not having ordered him to stay. She consoled herself, however, that she was known to be but nine miles distant from the rectory, and that any commands could be conveyed to her nearly in an hour. What they might be became now, therefore, her sole anxiety. Would not her mother write, after an avowal such as she had made of her desolate, if not dying, condition, would she not pardon and embrace her? Was it not even possible she might come herself? This idea mingled emotions of a contrariety scarcely supportable. "'Oh, how,' she cried, "'shall I see her? Can joy blend with such terror? Can I wish her approach, yet not dare to meet her eye? That eye which never yet has looked at me, but to beam with bright kindness, though a kindness that even from my childhood seemed to say camilla be blameless or you break your mother's heart my poor unhappy mother she has always seemed to have a presentiment i was born to bring her to sorrow expectation being now for this night fully dead the excess of her bodily fatigue urged her to take some repose but her ever-eager imagination made her apprehensive her friends might find her too well, and suspect her representation was but to alarm them into returning kindness. A fourth night therefore passed without sleep, or the refreshment of taking off her clothes, and by the time the morning sun shone in upon her apartment, she was too seriously disordered to make her illness require the aid of fancy. She was full of fever, faint, pallid, weak, and shaken by nervous tremors. "'I think,' she cried, "'I am now certainly going, and never was death so welcomed by one so young. It will end in soft peace my brief but stormy passage, and I shall owe to its solemn call the sacred blessing of my offended mother.' Tranquilized by this hope and this idea, she now lost all sufferings but those of disease. Her mind grew calm, her spirit serene, 
all fears gave way to the certainty of soothing kindness all grief was buried in the solemnity of expected dissolution but this composure outlived not the first hours of the morning as they vainly advanced producing no loved presence no letter no summons solicitude revived disappointment sunk her heart and dread preyed again upon her nerves she started at every sound every breath of wind seemed portentous she listened upon the stairs she dragged her feeble limbs to the parlour to be nearer at hand she forced them back again to her bedroom to strain her aching eyes out of the window but still no voice demanded her and no person approached peggy who repeatedly came to tell her the hour now assured her it was dinner-time unable to eat she was heedless of the hint this conveyed and it obtained from her no orders till peggy gave her innocently to understand the expectations of her host and hostess but when at five o'clock the table was served all force and courage forsook her to be left thus to herself when her situation was known to be abandoned at an inn where she had confessed she thought herself dying my mother she cried cannot forgive me my father himself deserts me oh edgar you did well to fly so unhallowed a connection she left her dinner for peggy and crawling upstairs cast herself upon the bed with a desperate supplication she might rise from it no more the time cried she is past for consolation and dead for hope my parents own prayers have been adverted and their prognostics fulfilled may the dread forfeiture said my dearest father not extend through my daughters alas lionel himself has not brought upon him a disgrace such as i have done may heaven said my honoured mother spare me evil under your shape at least but under that it has come to her the most heavily dissolving then in sorrowing regret recollections of material tenderness bathed her pillow with her tears and reversing all the inducements to her sad resignation abolished every wish but to fall again at the paternal feet to see cried she once more the dear authors of my being to receive their forgiveness their blessing to view again their honoured countenances to hear once more their loved speech alas was it i that fled the voice of my mother that voice which till that moment had been music to my mind and never reached my ear but at the precursor of all kindness why did i not sooner at once kneel at her feet and seek my lost path under my first and best guide shocked and contrite in this tardy view of the step she ought to have taken she now languished to petition for pardon even for an offence unknown and rising took up a pen to relate the whole transaction but her head was confused and the attempt showed her she was more ill than she had even herself suspected she thought all rapidly advancing 
and enthusiastically rejoiced. Yet a second time she took the pen, but it had not touched the paper when a buzzing, confused, stifled sort of noise from without drew her to the window. She then perceived an immense crowd of people approaching slowly, and from a distance towards the inn. As they advanced she was struck to hear no increase of noise, save from the nearer trampling of feet. No voice was distinguishable, no one spoke louder than the rest. They seemed even to tread the ground with caution. They consisted of laborers, workmen, beggars, women, and children, joined by some accidental passengers. Yet the general hum of many was all that was heard. They were silent, though numerous, solemn, though mixed. As they came near, she thought she perceived something in the midst of them like a beer and caught a glimpse of a gentleman's habit. Startled she drew in, but soon upon another view discerned clearly a well-dressed man, stretched out his full length, and apparently dead. Recoiling, shuddering, she hastily shut the window. Yet why, she cried the next moment, and whence this emotion? Is not death what I am meeting, seeking, desiring? what I caught, what I pray for. She sighed, walked feebly up and down the room, hard and with effort, and then forced herself again to open the window, determined to contemplate steadily the anticipating object of her fervent demand. Yet, not without severe self-compulsion, she flung up again the sash, but when she looked out, the crowd alone remained, the beer was gone. Whether carried on or brought into the house, she now wished to know, with some particulars of whom it might be, and what belonged to so strange and horrible an appearance. She rang for little Peggy, but Peggy came not. She rang again, but no one answered the bell. She opened her door, meaning to descend to her little parlour for information, but the murmuring bus she had before heard upon the road, was now within the house, which seemed filled with people, all busy and occupied, yet speaking low, and appearing to partake of a general ague. She could not venture to encounter so many spectators. She shut her door to wait quietly till this first commotion should be passed. This was not for more than an hour, when observing from her window that the crowd was dispersed, she again listened at the door, and found that the general disturbance was succeeded by a stillness the most profound. She then rang again, and little Peggy appeared, but looking pale and much frightened. Camilla asked what had been the matter. "'Oh, ma'am,' she answered, crying, here's been murder a gentleman has been murdered and nobody knows who he is nor who has done it she then related that he had been found dead in a wood hard by and one person calling another and another he had been brought to the inn to be owned and is he here now with an involuntary shudder asked camilla yes she answered but her mistress had ordered her not to own it, 
for fear of frightening the young lady, and said he would soon be carried away. The tale was shocking, and though scarce conscious why, Camilla desired Peggy to stay with her. The little girl was most willing, but she was presently called downstairs, and Camilla, with strong shame of nameless fears and weak horror, strove to mediate to some use upon this scene. But her mind was disturbed, her composure was gone, her thoughts were broken, abrupt, unfixed, and all upon which she could well with any steadiness was the desire of one more appeal to her family, that yet they would consent to see her, if they received it in time, or that they should know in what frame of mind she expired, should it bring them too late. With infinite difficulty she then wrote the following lines, every bending down of her head making it ache nearly to distraction. Adieu, my dearest parents, if again it is denied me to see you. Adieu, my darling sisters, my tender uncle. I ask not now your forgiveness. I know I shall possess it fully. My father never withheld it, and my mother, if against herself alone I had sinned, would have been equally lenient, would have probed but to heal, have corrected but to pardon. O oh, tenderest of united partners! Bless, then, the early ashes of your erring but adoring daughter, who from the moment she inflicted one wound upon your bosoms has found existence intolerable, and prays now but for her earthly release. Camilla Tyrold. This she gave to Peggy, with the charge that at any expense it might be conveyed to the rectory at Edrington immediately. And shall I not, thought she, when she had rested from this exertion, and may I not, at such a period, with innocence, with propriety, write one poor word to him, who was so near becoming first to me in all things? She again took her pen, but had only written, O oh, Edgar, in this last farewell be all displeasure forgotten, from the first to the final moment of my short life, dear and sole possessor of my heart, when the shooting anguish overhead stopped her hand, and hastily writing the direction, lest she could write no more, she with difficulty added, Not to be delivered till I am dead, and was forced to lie down, and shut all light from her strained and aching eyes. Peggy presently brought her word that all the horses were out, and everybody was engaged, and that the note could not possibly go till the next day. Extremely disappointed, she begged to speak with Mrs. Marl, who sent her word she was much engaged, but would wait upon her as soon as she was able. Vainly, however, she expected her. It grew dusk. She felt herself worse every moment, flushed with fever, or shivering with cold, and her head nearly split asunder with agony. She determined to go once more downstairs, and offer to her host himself any reward he could claim, so he would undertake the immediate delivery of the letter. With difficulty she arose with slow steps, and tottering she descended, but as she approached her little parlour, 
she heard voices in it and stopped they spoke low and she could not distinguish them the door of an adjoining room was open and by its stillness empty she resolved to ring there to demand to speak with mr marl but as she dragged her weak limbs into the apartment she saw stretched out upon a large table the same form dress and figure she had seen upon the bier starting almost fainting but too much aid to call out she held trembling by the door the bodily feebleness which impeded her immediate retreat gave force to a little mental reflection do i shrink thus thought she from what so earnestly i have prayed to become and so soon i must represent a picture of death she now impelled herself towards the table a cloth covered the face she stood still hesitating if she had power to remove it but she thought it a call to her own self-examination and though mentally recoiling advanced when close to the table she stood still violently trembling yet she would not allow herself to retreat she now put forth her hand but it shook suspended over the linen without courage to draw it aside at length however with enthusiastic self-compulsion slightly and fearfully she lifted it up but instantly and with instinctive horror snatched her hand away and placed it before her shut eyes she felt now she had tried herself beyond her courage and deeply moved was fain to retreat but in letting down her hand to see her way she found she had already removed the linen from a part of the face and the view she unintentionally caught almost petrified her for some instants she stood motionless from want of strength to stir but with closed eyes that feared to confirm their first surmise but when turning from the ghastly visage she attempted without another glance to glide away an unavoidable view of the coat which suddenly she recognized put her conjecture beyond all doubt that she now saw dead before her the husband of her sister resentment in gentle minds however merited and provoked survives not the breath of the offender with the certainty no further evil can be practised perishes vengeance against the culprit though not hatred of the guilt and though with the first movement of sisterly feelings she would have said is eugenia then released the a was too great his own change was too solemn he was now where no human eye could follow no human judgment overtake him again she endeavoured to escape the dreadful scene but her shaking limbs were refractory and would not support her the mortal being requires use to be reconciled to its own visible mortality dismal in its view grim repulsive terrific its aspect but no sooner was her head turned from the dire object than alarm for her sister took possession of her soul and with what recollection she possessed she determined to go to belfont 
an idea of any active service invigorates the body as well as the mind she made another effort to depart but a glance she knew not how to avoid showed her upon the coat of the right arm and right side of this ghastly figure large splashes of blood with horror thus accumulate she now sunk upon the floor inwardly exclaiming he is murdered indeed and where may be eugenia a woman who had in charge to watch by the corpse but who had privately stolen out for some refreshment now returning saw with affright the new person in the room and ran to call mrs marl who alarmed also at the sight of the young lady and her deplorable condition assisted the woman to remove her from the apartment and convey her to the chamber where she was laid down upon the bed though she resisted being undressed and was seized with an anguish shivering fit while her eyes seemed emitting sparks of fire it is certainly now cried she over and hence i move no more the joy with which a few minutes before she would have welcomed such a belief was now converted into an ave unspeakable undefinable the wish of death is commonly but disgust of life and looks forward to nothing further than release from worldly care but the something yet beyond the something unknown untried yet to come the bourne whence no traveller returns to prepare succeeding passengers for what they may expect now abruptly presented itself to her consideration but came to scare not to soothe all here she cried i have wished to leave but have i fitted myself for what i am to meet conscience now suddenly took the reins from the hands of imagination and a mist was cleared away that hitherto obscuring every duty by despondence had hidden from her own perceptions the faulty basis of her desire conscience took the reins and a mist was cleared away that had concealed from her view the cruelty of this egotism those friends it cried which thus impatiently thou seekest to quit have they not loved cherished reared thee with the most exquisite care and kindness if they are offended who has offended them if thou art now abandoned may it not be from necessity or from accident when thou hast inflicted upon them the severe pain of harbouring anger against what is so dear to them wouldst thou load them with regret that they manifested any sensibility of thy errors hast thou plunged thy house into calamity and will no worthier wish occur to thee than to leave it to its sorrows and distress with the aggravating pangs of causing thy afflicting however blamable self-desertion of coming to thee perhaps even now with mild forgiveness and finding thee a self-devoted corpse not fallen indeed by the profane hand of daring suicide but equally self-murdered through wilful self-neglect had the voice been a loud sound which spoke this dire admonition it could scarcely with more horror or keener repentance have struck her that poor man she cried 
now delivering up his account by whatever hand he perished since less principled less instructed than myself may be criminal perhaps with less guilt the thought now of her father the piety he had striven to inculcate into her mind his resignation to misfortune and his trust through every suffering all came home to her heart with religious veneration and making prayer succeed to remorse guided her to what she knew would be his guidance if present and she desired to hear the service for the sick peggy could not read mrs marl was too much engaged the whole house had ample employment and her request was unattainable she then begged they would procure her a prayer-book that she might try to read herself but her eyes heavy aching and dim glared upon the paper without distinguishing the print from the margin i am worse she cried faintly my wish comes fast upon me ah not for my punishment let it finally arrive with terror however even more than with malady she now trembled the horrible sight she had witnessed brought death before her in a new view she feared she had been presumptuous she felt that her preparations had all been worldly her impatience wholly selfish she called back her wish with penitence and affright her agitation became torture her regret was aggravated to remorse her grief to despair End of chapter 9 Read by Lars Rolander